0: everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for giving us your time. Love it that you're here. We have Shannon Tomasco on the show today. She's an electrical apprentice from Ontario, moving from first year to second year. And uh, we just want to wish her all the best. We love having her on the show. She's a pleasure to talk to, have a conversation with. You're going to love this episode. Sit back, relax, enjoy. Hey, thanks for coming by. If you haven't subscribed yet, would you mind doing that? And if you have subscribed, then Would you mind leaving us a review? That would be great, too. Thanks very much. Take care. Catch you on the other side. Three, two, one. Hey everybody, welcome back to Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. I said that rather fast, because it's the end of the day for us. And I've had about six coffee today, so I'm ripping, raring to go. And this is a really cool episode. I've been looking forward to this for a very long time. Uh, we have Shannon T- to Moscow. did I say that right?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> see, doing my homework pays off. Shannon is an electrical apprentice. She is also associated with the ambassador for the Gas Careers in the beautiful Hamilton, Ontario. And uh, Shannon, thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us today, and uh, we're really looking forward to our conversation.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm very grateful to be
0: here. Well, you're welcome. Our pleasure. Shannon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and where you are like right now, like not physically, but kind of where you are in life right now.
1: Um, well. Uh- like you said, my name is Shannon Tomasco. Um, I'm a uh, second year, just turned into second year electrical apprentice here in Hamilton. I um, was born in a small little town called Keswick, just north of the city. Um, and I'm currently um, assigned to a hotel here in Hamilton, or in Burlington, sorry. Um, and so I've been assigned to the Suites and I've been um, working my way through that. I've been there for about uh, a year. It'll be just the end of the month, it'll be a year. Um, It should be there for several months longer. It looks like the project, you know, with COVID and everything like that, it's definitely, you know, slowed some things down, but it looks like they should be there for, you know, several months longer. And that's kind of where I'm at right now.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. I was in construction trades for a while and um, I don't miss it. I'll be honest, don't miss it. I miss the people. I don't miss the construction piece of it, but uh, we'll talk about that later. Um, So, why trades and why electrical? Because you have an interesting background, right? Why trades and why electrical?
1: Um, I wanted a job at the time. I, I'm I'm a little bit older. I when I changed, switched careers, I was 30, and so I wanted a job that one one that I could thrive on, not just survive. And so I find that in today's day and age, there's a lot of those you know jobs that you know just gets you paycheck to paycheck. Um, I would love to have some wants in life, and I I spent most of my 20s at jobs all of my 20s at jobs like those um and i really wanted to find a job that i liked you know at 30 years of age you know it sounds old but um i still had more you know 30 years of work in front of me and i wanted to find something that i i loved uh I, you spend more time at work than you do at home you might as well find something you like yeah. um, you know it, it it makes a difference when you can go to work every day and enjoy what you do and then the last part that i you know i didn't really realize when I switched, that was going to be such a great benefit. But in in hindsight, um, you know, just the physical, mental, all the different health benefits that come along with the trades, um, I didn't really see them beforehand. But I can't help to say that it's you know been so great for my physical, mental health, my personal growth, all those different things. Um, now, why electrical? Um, I think it's it's more so probably because you know someone who didn't grow up in a trades family and still new to the field, electrical is one of those things you can see, you know, what electricity is, you know, there's not many of those trades that people are really aware, you know, familiar with, plumber, carpenter, these kinds of things, but there's really an array of trades. And so before I did the electrical program and switched to electro, uh, electrical apprentice, I actually did general machinist. Um, and I didn't know what a general machinist was when I signed up for the program, but it was the only thing available at the time from you know when I wanted to start making this this change. And so I signed up for the general machinist program. And again, not a clue what they do, you know, and and realized that you know, I do actually really love it. And General Machinist is is to me, you know, you take a piece of material, a piece of steel, you know, you throw it through a few machines, maybe a lathe or a drill pack, whatever it might be, and you make something out of it. And you know, growing up, my mom was a sewer. I love sewing. I've made some things over the years. And it's a very similar process. You take a piece of material, throw it through a machine and produce something. And so I realized that like the hobby of mine was kind of be kind of a job of mine. Um, I did try to find a a job out of that. I had a co-op a co-op. I didn't get hired from, but I did try to find a job, you know, with that general machinist kind of experience. Uh, I wasn't successful for the, the month that I, I did apply. Um, And so when the electrical apprenticeship came up, I was like, I know what that is. I know electricians get paid really well. You know, I've done a little bit, you know, in my friend's house, we've put in some pot lights, you know, um, and so I thought this is something I could do. And the other thing I liked about electrical versus machining, and I have a lot of respect for the machining trade, I can't bring my lathe home with me. You know, electricians, their, their jobs are, you know, you can do side jobs, you can... You know, there's so much more kind of versatility, versatility to it and um, you can you can explore different areas. And so um, that's what kind of drew me into the electrical side is just how much more potential there was for me to grow. Machining was a little bit more of a narrow, you know, narrow path.
0: Sure, sure. That's very cool. What did your parents think about you going into the trades?
1: Um. I don't think they thought, I thought, you know, I think they've always thought that like, you know, you can do anything, you know, you wanted to. And so they didn't have much to say. I, I think some of them probably still don't really realize that I go to school or that I go to work every day and mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm on a construction site. I'm using tools and often sometimes the males in my family who are older and wiser, you know, they're, they're trying to tell me how to kind of, you know, install or do things. And I'm like, <laughs> What did you do? Your entire, Oh, you were a banker. You're a banker. So I've spent, you know, a little bit more time with my hands on the tools, but they still want to give me that guidance and stuff. And so I don't know if they really know what I do every day or if they can really visualize that, you know, their daughter is, you know, out on a construction site, climbing ladders and, you know, using hand tools. I don't know if they can visualize that, but they've been very supportive You know, of the, the entire process and always been my entire life. You know, you can do whatever you want kind of thing.
0: Oh, that's very cool. Very good. It's unusual coming from a family with with little to no trades background, because there's something that I call the apathy gap that you don't really know what you don't know. And mm-hmm. most families who don't have any exposure to the trades really never consider trades to be an option. And so they look at university, they look at college and not disparaging any of that pathway. Um, but because they don't know what they don't know, the trades is is, is in a blind spot. and more often than not, from my conversations with people, and I've been doing podcasting for a long time, I actually had a podcast before this one called The Guild, and it was all about trades. More often than not, people fell into the trades. It wasn't that they picked the trades when they were like 12, like they would, you know, I want to be a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, an accountant, right? Um, and so it's interesting that, that um, people fall into it, but it's really cool that you had that support
1: well, from family. i shouldn't say i didn't have any trades in my family my grandfather he was um a high school uh, uh, carpentry teacher so he did do that but i don't have, i wasn't alive when he did those kinds of things and so for me he was always my grandfather um i didn't see him in that trades world um and so i think you know dj outside i think he's really kind of proud, of proud of me for you know taking this kind of avenue because you know, I, I am the only one in the family who's, who's really done that. and um, But I never really had that, uh, like I said, full exposure to it or, you know, somebody at home introducing new tools. My mom was, you know, crafty and handsy and stuff like that. But still nothing like you'd get if, you're, you know, your parents or your somebody was, you know, actively in the trades.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. That's very cool. So let's let's talk a little bit about uh, kick-ass careers for, for a few minutes. Um, how were you first introduced to that? that group
1: um when i first i I went to a pre-apprenticeship programs at the ywc in hamilton through that process they they had some guest speakers come in to meet with us we're a group of women um none of us had any trades experience so you know new to the field and you know extremely green and probably a little scared Mm -hmm. and one of the guest speakers that came in was uh jamie mcmillan she's the founder for Ass careers um, and she came in to tell us you know real life stories she's an iron worker boilermaker, been in the trade since 2002 you know this girl like really kicks ass and she came in and and told us you know real life stories and you know inspires that we could do this too here's this woman in front of us and and you know she she did it and um why can't I do it too and so um Jamie was kind of that first kind of female mentor and i've said it before that you know there there's there's not a lot of women in the trades but the the women that are in the trades often be very connected and you know we have a lot of groups and you know now with technology we're all you know on Facebook and Instagram and all those kinds of things and we're supporting each other you know sometimes you don't want to tell the boys at work about your day you know your your girl day and so you just need to vent to somebody and um, so it's it's nice to kind of have you know that presence Um, and so from there, um, about a year or so passed, and, and I was working my way through the general machining stuff. Um, and I got, uh, I, I then finished the programming and finished the electrical pre-apprenticeship program. And um, I got a job with the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Um, right before my job started, I needed some advice from Jade, from somebody. I just needed some advice. and um, And so I, I didn't really know anybody. And so I, like here I, look her up on Facebook, you know, we're Facebook friends, but again, we're small connected. And so I reach out to her. I'm just like, I'm really hoping that you're you know available for a phone call. And um, she answered my call and, and, you know, she called her little support team and um, she supported me through, you know, what was a difficult time. And, you know, this kind of brought us back together again. Um, a few more months passed and next thing you know, me and Jamie are uh, going to the YWCA women of distinction dinner together and and my, my IBW hall is kind of sponsored table and, you know, the the business manager and the vice president came to hang out with us. And so, you know, brought us back together. And at that time, Jamie said, you know, like ask me, you know, do you want to be an ambassador? Um, you said I had an interesting past. And like, I I started a decade ago with child and youth work, where, where, you know, you're encouraging youth and, you know, child and youth work is anything from birth to, to adolescence and, and your development. And um, the really rewarding part of that job is when you get to see the growth change and, you know, that little light bulb, you get to be that mentor. And so when she asked me if I would want to be an ambassador, it was kind of like, well, all the things that I loved about child youth work, you know, I get to do that combined with all the things I love about trades. Um, and so it really, you know, it, 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 brought it full circle for me. And so um, since then Jamie and I like, I was a roommate for a period of time and now I'm out on my own again. And, um, you know, I'm starting to get a little bit more involved with the admin side of kick-ass careers. You know, it is a business to some degree. And so there's emails to respond to and different things. And, um, and so I'm starting to take on more of that kind of role as well. Um, cause I would like to see more people, not just women, but more people get into the trades and, and see the benefits of the trades, you know, people always think that you know we're often uneducated or this is where you send the people who can't get into university and college and you know that's not true and so if I could just be a little bit of light and shed a little bit you know educate just a few people um you know it's it's you know it's 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 a blessing it's it's very rewarding feeling you know that's that's a little selfish but
0: yeah (laughs) no it's all good it's all good I mean and you know I think uh, I think a lot of people get into a lot of different careers for some of the same reasons that you're listening and I firmly believe that um, trades trades is a unique environment where we we tend to say what we think we tend to show our heart a little bit more we tend to allow the dirt to be there more so than other people. And and I think other people have those same goals, drives, desires. They just hide sure. it better um, until you scratch at it and then you find out, Hey, yeah. they're just like us. Right. Um, so very cool. And, and, and that's, you should be proud of that. That's good. Cause whenever you're in a position of mentorship and influence, that that's a very significant responsibility and, Thanks. and uh, you should be very happy and proud of yourself for doing that. And, um, I've I've had several uh, women in my career as apprentices when I was a journey journeyman, and um, unfortunately, 80% of them are gone. They're, they've left the trade for various reasons, and um, my trade as plumber is probably one of the harshest trades for for yeah. women to stick into and 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 continue on. And I'm I'm ashamed to say that because it, it shouldn't be that way. And and you know, um, good for you for sticking in. And if anybody knows anything about electrical <laughs> they would understand that if they went to school with you for a couple of weeks they would figure out okay yeah th- this is this takes a lot more brain power than i first realized right because i've again i've always said that trades is not a consolation prize right like there, there's a lot of stuff in a lot of different trades that's difficult to grasp and difficult to understand and electrical is right up there i mean it's i've seen some yeah. of the math that you guys have to do and
1: often I walk into conversations between like my journeyman and my foreman and I feel like I just walked into a different country. Learning, I always say learning a new trade is you have to learn a new language and half the things they're talking about are not familiar to me and I'm still, I am I already have one year of industry, you know, hands on the tools. It's still not familiar to me and so, you know, that just shows you how much, you know, experience these guys really have and how much, you know, education and, and work they have to put into their trade and, and um, their passion too, right?
0: Well, yeah. And, and, you know, more so in electrical than plumbing, but you know, if you make a mistake in electrical, something serious can happen, right? It was one of the reasons why I didn't choose electrical to go into because I, I looked at it and went, Ugh, if I make a mistake electrically, you know, I could lose something or I could even die. If I make right. a mistake as a plumber, mm, I get wet, maybe a little poo gets on me. I'm okay with that. <laughs> right to plumbing but um yeah very cool um so what what kind of legacy do you hope to leave in your experience with kick-ass but as you move through your apprenticeship and, and if i'm not mistaken you're close to or if not over into your second year of apprenticeship in electrical so congratulations to you on that that's a big accomplishment yeah. and um and in and in um, Ontario, I believe your apprenticeship for electrical is five years or with IBEW, it's five years. Nine thousand hours. Yeah. yeah. So at about,
1: yeah, five years. Sometimes longer, depending, especially with our kind of work. It's contract work. You could be laid off, you could be back. And so sometimes it, it does take longer. So it's, it's a serious dedication that these, mm-hmm. you know, people make on top of, you know, every, you know, everything else that it takes to be an electrician or any trade person.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So what kind of legacy are you hoping to leave as you move through your apprenticeship? because eventually you'll have your own apprentice um, and even with kick-ass careers, because that's, that's an important role. Like I've, like I've just said, so what kind of legacy do you want to leave? I feel like legacy is a really big word.
1: <laughs> I feel like that really like I've, and I've never really thought about it. You know, what kind of legacy do you want to leave? But you know, one of the things that I would love to see change over my career, because it's just starting for me. Um, you know, when we talked about, you know, the small percentage of women that make it through the trades. And I don't think it's just women. You know, I, I said it before, I've seen some, some graphs somewhere that talked about how many apprentices register, you know, as a first year apprentice and how many actually finish after five years. And, and that's, that graph doesn't represent women and men. It's just a general whole. And the amount of people that don't finish their apprenticeship is shocking. And considering how, well-paid we are you know how much potential there is for for growth um, you know you can travel with your job you can do different um specialties and avenues there's so much potential why are these people finishing um, and so you know one of the things that i think is a reason for that i think there's a lot of you know there's probably tons of things i'm so new but is is culture perhaps you know a lot of our other, I think construction's a little bit behind. It's, you know, one of those kind of things where you said uh, earlier, you know, it's one of those places where you can, you know, say what you want to say, but, you know, sometimes people are saying too much stuff or sometimes the cultures, you know, there's a line still, you know, and I love to have fun at work, you know, but, you know, I've, I've heard different horror stories and they're not female horror stories, they're male horror stories. Nobody wants to be yelled at as a first year apprentice. And so, if that's your first experience is you start on a job, they give you a broom, and then they start yelling at you, what what makes you think they want to come into to work tomorrow? And so that culture I'd love to see throughout my like um, you know, long future career some change in the culture that you know it is a little bit more, you know, forgiving on the human side. We are human, I've talked about that before. We make mistakes. Mistakes are the the best learning opportunities you know, it, it, it sears in your memory and you don't forget that when you make a mistake, which means moving forward, you're going to be aware of that and, and correct your actions so that you don't do it again. And so like this fear mentality at work, don't, don't, don't make a mistake. Oh, if you broke a tool, Oh, we got to hide that. Like all of this fear mentality, you know, is, is not good for encouraging, not just young people, but people in general. Mm-hmm. And so, um, my legacy, I would love to be able to educate people that, you know, and and hopefully on the leadership side, because it does, you know, it's a, it's an education thing and a leadership thing. It comes from the top to the bottom. Um, perhaps I could bring some of the culture from my previous business and my previous child need work into the construction world. Um, I, those are big dreams, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, um, it would be nice to see some culture change over the over my, my career.
0: Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah, me too. Me too. I mean, I- been, go ahead. I was going to go ahead. I've been in education for 12 years and I was out in the field for 10, 11 years. And um, I can tell you that I, along with you, I, I want the culture to change. Yeah. And you're right. The dropout rate is, is pretty high. If I remember correctly, and I think you saw those percentages from a Canadian Apprenticeship Forum report, maybe, right. that had come out a little while ago. And they were reporting in your trade, if I'm not mistaken, 52% uh, retention rate. So 48% dropout in plumbing. It's, it's worse. It's 48% retention rate. So more than half of the people who sign up for a plumbing apprenticeship, get right. um, way, way, way too low, right? Way too low on retention. Um, so let me, let me follow that up with a couple of questions here. What, what kind of leadership skills would you see required to, to move you forward and to move, uh, I'll say your generation of apprenticeship forward.
1: Um, I, my previous employer paid a day. I had some good leaders there. Um, good mentors when it came to business and they were all about growth and development. And, um, often I feel like people forget that your employee's success is your success, you know? And so, um, developing your people, passing down those it's, you know, it's what the journeyman process is supposed to be about passing down those, those trades skills to your people, but also passing down you know the essential leadership skills you know like understanding just you know compassion you know the human touch and you know we were sometimes late for work because it's not our fault but you're also sometimes late for work so you know let's just remember that we're all human and again i don't really know how to make that change and um i think a big part of what could make that change is having more women in the industry you know we are a little bit more not say i don't like the word sensitive but i think we just think a lot more and i saw this video once it's called the tale of two brains and i don't i love it and it talks about the male brain versus the female brain and i'm a strong believer that we're the same but we're different you know you have generic gifts that you've been given and given and i have as well and um this gentleman in the video compares the two brains and he goes to the the male brain and he talks about how the male brain has boxes you guys have boxes and everything has its own separate box. You can only enter that box one at a time. Before you can go into the new box, you must shut down the first box to open the new box. And you guys have something special called a nothing box, where you can just go in there, look in la-la land, and literally think of nothing. Us women, you go to the other side of the table, and us women are, you know, this is connected to this, and the, 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 this connects to this, and our brains are constantly going. And that's what makes us really good multitaskers. And, you know why we're you know normally taking care of the home because we're thinking of all those different things, and so bringing women into that can only make it stronger. You know, can will slowly change the culture because you know we just bring a a different different touch in some degrees. And um, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure, but I'm hoping a little bit of women touch, a little bit of leadership development um, can hopefully bring us to you know a little bit more. Friendly culture, accepting culture, just real, like, welcoming for everybody. You
0: know. Sure, sure. And it's I wonder too about your thoughts on retention and promotion, because um, with the idea of people dropping out and and leaving the trades, and and so few women going into trades, and then I'm sure that the the, uh, the retention rate for women in trades is is not as good as as some would hope. What are your thoughts around that? Like, do you have any ideas about retention and, and promotion?
1: Um, I really think, it, like, we talked about, you spend more time at home or at work, you at home, environment is key, and a lot of times, you know, your job can be amazing, but the people around it can, can ruin it, and so, um, I just think having you know, well, like a good balance of female and male, it's going to complement each other and be able to bring the, the best out of both of
0: us. And so what what's one of your most significant learning moments as an apprentice?
1: Um, I don't know if I've had a one note moment. I really do think it's a series um, of events and, you know, part of the things that I think is really important is personality and, you know, how how you present yourself today really makes a difference on whether or not you have a good day or a bad day and if you're that grump you're going to maybe have a grumpy day but if you're a happy person you know typically your day goes a bit smoother and so um being friendly and kind can get you a lot on the construction site and it's crazy how often i hear about you know the competition not the competition but the, they're always go on each other's toes, you know, plumbing's trying to get in and then drywalls, you know, kicking holes and things and then electricals really mad. And 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 so I've really worked on kind of like building rapport with everybody. And and now at this point, you know, the drywallers might pick something for me. They're gonna come find me before they go make a mess of something. Um and so I really think um just be at being happy person at work has made a big difference and it's again that part of that culture change and um you know the, the way you change the future is you know you can only start with yourself and you know I, I hope that you know i can kind of you know rub off on some of the guys and you know one of the things we used to do at my previous job was for everybody's birthday it got acknowledged like i was getting you a little card everybody was signing off on it. we would you know get you a cake and it, it was your birthday we were going to acknowledge your special day and so that's not something that happens on my construction site. But of course, a couple of my, my like journeymen and my form and my it was their birthdays, they're close together. I of course get like a cupcake cake and I bring it in and, you know, and like they didn't see it coming and then my birthday rolled around and sure enough, one of them brought me in a pumpkin pie. Right. So like, you know, you, you have to start with yourself. Um, and so I'm hoping that, you know, by just being me, I can start that kind of small change. Um, and that's all I can really do. So.
0: What's been the most rewarding aspect for you being in the trade? Like what, what, what is it about it that you come home and you go, yeah.
1: Um, I really have to say that the most rewarding part about my job is like the sense of pride. Um, I, I talk about how I love the trade so much and how, you know, I didn't really realize when I got into it, how beneficial it would be for me and coming from a previous, history of mental, like field of mental health, you know, the amount of confidence and self esteem that I build on a daily basis by just doing new things is, is I've never built that anywhere else. You know, and I I've said it before, confidence is built by competence. It's by trying things. And often we kind of get to a place in life, we kind of stop trying things, but the trades, the nice thing about the trade is it's never, it's always, an opportunity to learn, you know, and even if you maybe might be a little, you know, your job sometimes can be repetitive. There's always a trade, you know, besides you, you can look over and ask and and learn from that guy too. And so with the learning aspect and the personal growth and building confidence, it, it forces me, you know, to build as a person. Um, and it, it's, it's very rewarding and, and I can't help my other jobs never, brought me that even as a child and youth work, um, worker, you know, it gave me that reward to feel that, you know, good that I was, you know, making a difference in their life, but there's still that piece of the physical aspects, the challenge, the learning, the growing, um, and, and the trace gives that to me. Obviously everybody's different. And, and, you know, you might get that at your job and I hope you do. I hope that's the job that you find. And, and that's the thing. I, I don't, I don't want to say trades is the obviously the only option, you know what I mean? But trades is an option for everybody, and I think it's you know really limited at high school. Um, you know, people again, they're kind of sent down you know a hallway that they think is best for you, and I not everybody is suited for that.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm, I'm glad you said that because one of the other questions I was going to ask you is tell us your experience in the K to twelve system. Uh, especially when it comes to trades and academic and was one, obviously, well, I'm probably going to answer my own question, but was one highlighted more than the other? Um, but most importantly, I think what we would like to hear from you is what do people need to know? Like, s- speak to a parent that's got a kid in grade 10 and 11, and they're they're not sure where they're going to go. Speak to that parent. What do they need to know?
1: Um, well, I think it even is, you know, we need to start even earlier than the parents, you know, and that's pick us careers, you know, we've got a lot of different things. And one of the things that um, we share and produce is um, a coloring book for people, for children. And so a lot of the, in Ontario, um, the school boards have actually, you know, some of them have purchased this um, coloring book. And it is catered to like three, one, two, three, your younger, your younger um, classes. And because if you wait till they're in grade 11 or 12 to introduce them, to something new they, they don't have the chance to think about it you know to explore it to you know research it um and so um, i think it's really important to start young just to let them know that it's available option um and then when i got to actual high school my experience there was a small trades program my school was recently built i think it was only around for maybe three or four years prior to my arrival so at that point you know, they're still building different programs in the school and our trades department was very small. Um, I did take, um, both home ec and trades, you know, home ec, you learn how to sew and trades. Um, we made a little gumball machine and a bookshelf and a couple little things that, you know, I still have picking around, you know, and, um, uh, that was it though. So we didn't really have, I think that was grade nine and then made I'm trying to remember, maybe there was a grade 10 class as well that I took, but there was nothing further, further past that. It's like, now you're in grade 11 or 12 and it's time to get serious. Time to look at the books, people, you know, you've had your fun playing with the, you know, the tools, but now it's time to get serious. And like, you know, I, I talk about the traditional education route and what, what is crazy to me is that the first adult decision that most people make is to get in debt. It's like, you know, I'm going to go to school. I'm not even really sure I want to do this for the rest of my life, but I know 100%. I'm getting in debt today, you know. And and so, if how, you're starting your life owing, you know, and somebody money. Um, in the United States, from my understanding, it's significantly more expensive to go to, you know, universities and colleges. And I, I can't help but think that, like, if someone were to say listen, we're going to pay you to go to school and you're not even going to have to go to school for like nine months, three years. Like you're just going to have to go for like eight weeks, 10 weeks. And, and we're going to pay you to do that. You know? And then on top of that, while you're not at school, you're going to be working and making, you know, significant amount of money. I just, you know, turned into a second year apprentice and I got like a $4 raise. I've never in my life got a $4 raise. You know, I, I've been fighting for 50 cents for my entire life. You know, and so it, there's significant pay increases, you know, based on your experience. And, you know, often if you start that process when you're only 18 years of age, well, you're a, a second year by the time you're 19. And now you're a third year by the time you're 20. And these guys are buying houses. And so, you know, it's weird. It, it's, what does the government want you to do? The government's supporting the trades program. You know they pay you to go to school. They even you uh, give you uh, government assistance while you're sitting in school to do that. They don't pay somebody to go to college and university. I think it's really important that we start you know getting it into the elementary schools, and that's what Kickaskers does. Jamie does. You know she's getting more and more involved, and she's going. She goes to different um, elementary schools, high schools, and again she just you know promotes the trades, talks about her stories, and all the the benefits of the trades just so that, you know, people know what they are. Like I said, I didn't know what a machinist was. I I gave it a go, but I didn't know what it was. And so I can't help but think there's a lot of people out there who don't know about a lot of trades and, you know, what it takes to build your house and what it takes, you know, build those skyscrapers out there and bridges and all those different things.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, you're right. The, a lot of people just don't know what goes into doing that. They just see it go up and they, and they see people show up to a job site. Even myself, like I framed houses for five years before I got married. And my first impression of a plumber was that they showed up in a van. They hot boxed, they got out, they went into the house for a day and then they left. And then two or three days later they came back. Whereas I'm busting my can, you know, hammering, nailing, doing all this stuff with the house. And I'm looking at stupid plumbers. Like what are they, what are they doing over there? But then, you know i came from a trades background my dad was a power line technician for hydro i i knew what blue collar looked like and smelled like and all that stuff right um yeah and, and you make a really good point of i've had apprentices in my classroom who were 19 years old in third year and plumbing's four years here in in, in bc so you know by the time they're 20 21 they're full-on journeymen making a really good wage and yeah they're buying homes or they're buying their truck and and there's even the option of going up north and that stuff yeah. all just blows out of the water. Right. And when I share that with people they are like, they're like, what you make, you make what per year. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? I was even making more before I came into here and the, yeah. people just don't seem to catch that. And I think that's an important piece that gets missed. So thank you for all the advocacy that you do through uh, kick-ass careers, because it's important to get that message out there. And, um, I've I've heard you say it. I've, I've heard myself say it. And a bunch of other people say it. Yeah, it's dirty work. Yep. And I I know that you've talked about dirty work before from other perspectives. My wife's a nurse. I know what that, I know what all that's about.
1: I have to change my story over the last two days. to (laughs) Allow me to get a little dirty on you. So um, they have a couple mock-up suites on our, on our construction site that they're want to complete to finish complete so they can use in the sales rooms. So they put a toilet in there. It's not set up to plumbing and sure shit. Someone decided that this was the place they were going to poop today. So poor, poor George. He is amazing. He goes, he, he shot backs it out of the toilet, cleans it up poor man. And they tape it. They tape it. They put signs. This toilet's not in service, not working. Someone came and they pooped in it again. That's intentional. That's somebody who's mad. <laughs> That's like, So it can be a dirty job. Um, I have not had to deal with that yet, but, um, I did have to move on the construction site
0: this week. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So it brings me back to another question I wanted to ask you. Okay. So you, you did some work before you get into the trades, you were, you did some machinist work. Um, but now you're going to a construction site, right? Um, what's, what's going through your mind first day, first week?
1: Um, I tried to ignore the fact that I was the only girl. I just like pretend you're not just like put your blinders on first week, right? Just put your blinders on, just go in. Um, and now it's kind of like, I don't, uh, you know, it's just like another day at work for me. Um, I really do have found like a little bit of a groove and, and because I'm familiar with the site and, and you know, the, the plans and of the suites, I feel comfortable. Um, it's funny because a, a couple uh, weeks ago we had a fire alarm and um it pulled all the guys out to the curb right and so it was the first time in a while that i was reminded that yep you're the only girl on this construction site um but it it, often i'm by myself i'm working with guys they treat me the same you know as each other and so um you know i yeah i I sometimes yeah my my days right now are, are quite comfortable i'm nervous for that next construction site and i think you know even the guys talk about it they often don't sleep the first night before they're going to a new construction site because there's like first day jitters who's going to be there how is parking going to go okay and so I, I share those similar feelings and then there's just that little added pressure that you know yeah if you're a girl and they're all going to be looking at you and going no can she you do this and you know is she serious and and so i just try my best to you know really go my way and then um you know i'm eager to learn like i love new things. And so, um, you know, show them that you're there and you're serious and very quickly become just one of the team, one of the guys. Yeah.
0: That's good to hear. That's good to hear because I often wonder, you know, what, what is it about the gender disparity in trades and, you know, and you, you hit on a couple things there about, you know, just the physicality of the job sometimes and wondering, you know, can she, can she, can she deal with the physicality of the job? And and I and I, I mean I was in a powerlifting for a long time, and you know I'm I'm a fairly strong individual, and there was still stuff that I wouldn't do, right? And right. there's and there's no way that I would expect my my apprentices to do what, regardless of gender, right? right. Um, so it's an interesting psychological place to go to to try and figure out why that crops up. But I'm really glad to hear that you know um, you, had a, you had a right mindset. You just you know I'm just going to go be myself. I'm going to do what I need to do, and well, yep. Chips fall where they may. And the majority, if not all, are like, you know what? This is good. This is a good situation. I'm you're b- not going to win them all over. You're never
1: going to win. Nobody's, nobody's, not everybody's going to like you. And, you know, and, and, you know, kindergartens understand that you do not need to be friends with everybody, but you need to be friendly. And so, you know, if you just remember that and you're kind to even those people who aren't maybe necessarily kind to you or, you know, the person that, you know, doesn't particularly like you, you know. I can only do me. I can only change me. And so I, I'm, I'm not my, I'm going to be my happy self. I'm going to treat you the way I treat everybody else. And I, and I think that, you know, it is, it, it, is everybody sees that and, and, you know, they're there. They know I'm, I'm that respectful, kind, serious person when necessary. kind of thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, those are good points, right? And it shouldn't, it, it shouldn't matter what gender you are, right. What, what Whatever you identify with it. Those are principles that are universal, right? When you treat others better than you want to be treated, that that can that goes a long way. And I think what you said earlier about how you're looking at building bridges and relationships with people and, and being more collaborative, I, I've seen a, a change in in industry where it's becoming more collaborative and they understand that the job gets done better, more efficiently however you want to define that when people work together. Right. Right. And you make a good point that I have to work with you. I don't have to like you. I don't have to go out and have a, an IPA with you, but I have to work with you. So let's, let's make this the best that we can make it. And you know, when that, went um,
1: a lot of times I think in construction sites, egos get in the way, you know, I think, you know, women are emotional and men have egos. Oh, it's the same thing. Well, no, we just use different words. Okay. So often I feel like men get stuck in this kind of trap and, you know, I do have, there are times when as a woman, I do benefit on the construction site. I'm not going to lie and say, there's not times when I'm, you know, I'm winning. And, um, I think that I often get more opportunities to try new things and to learn new things. Cause I don't think the guys are so threatened by me. They're like, Oh yeah, let me teach her. Oh, I'll teach her. Yeah. She'll be so excited about this. And so, um, that kind of like competition isn't there for me. I'm, I'm, I'm there to be talked, and they're excited to do so. And their ego gets to flourish. (laughs) So,
0: (laughs) Uh, I see. I see how much you're doing here. Very good. Very good. Yeah. We do have an ego problem. We'll just be. Well,
1: and us women, we're emotional. So we're both, we're both, we're both human. Oh my God. There's that word again. (laughs) Uh,
0: Here's the thing though. Uh, Men are just as emotional. We are. That's right. Right. And uh, I've had this conversation with people in the job site and in the classroom that people have told me lots of times, there's no place for emotion in the trades. And I'm like, oh, really? So when you go home after a really good day uh, and you know that you nailed it, there's no emotion there for you. Right. Right. Uh, Or you when you go home and you know that you messed up, that you made this big mistake and it's going to cost people money, it's going to cost time you don't have any emotion about that, like you don't. Yeah. Nothing's there. Or how about the pride you take in the fact of who you are now, as to who you were ten years ago? There's, there's no emotion. And pretty soon they get the idea, and they're like, "Okay, Carson, right. we get it. There's emotion, but like, so you have to admit it's there, and yeah. that's half the battle, I think, in admitting that it's there, that you have these things. Now let's learn to control them, because yeah. like, like you've so elegantly put. Once I, once I can do that, now. The, the, the job site is essentially my oyster. I can, I can, right. I can learn skills, but I can also apply them uh, in very similar ways that people would do in an office setting or somewhere else. Right. Very, very.
1: And I think the other nice touch that I, well, that I've, I've experienced is just on my job site, you know, being the woman, there's sometimes things that men want to rejoice about and are excited about, but other men aren't excited about like their babies or like anything like that. And so, um, or even if they're struggling with a little bit of mental health that day, you know they're struggling. They're whatever it might be. I tend to be the person who gets all of that information, you know. And so, how, you know, women on the construction it really does show. Like, you need people to, to bounce ideas off of. You need somebody to vent to sometimes. You need somebody to, you know, you know, help you with your stress at that time. And you know, women again, it's just another another example of how it shows that you know women can offer different things on the construction site that will make us all just, you know, so much better and stronger together.
0: Oh, I totally agree. And, and, and the science would back you up because I, I do a lot of reading and, and articles, especially when it comes to TVET and there's been some interesting studies done in Europe uh, as well as in Ontario where they've tracked women in trades and they've, and they've done this almost on a competitive level where they've taken a crew of, of electricians, all women, and they had them do some tasks for, I think, about a week or a month. It wasn't very long. Let's call it a week. And they had a same number of people on a crew, all male, almost identical tasks. And they just and they didn't know that this was going on. But they're like, okay, this is what you need to do. Go do it. And they found that the women got it done faster. Right. They were more collaborative. There were less callbacks, less deficiencies, right? And they're like, Hmm, was this a one-off? And they did it again. And sure enough, same result. Um, right. So what you're saying is backed up by science too, in the sense that it it's it's an interesting piece that, that shows up. And as long as it's treated fairly and equitably, I think that there's lots of room for growth on both sides of that fence. So that's awesome.
1: And I'm one of those people who don't believe like, I don't like to put anybody in a box. I say women, men, but I say that in a very generic kind of way, you know, not everybody, not everybody falls into every, everything you can say. And so, um, I say that very generically man and woman, you know, um, when I talk about that.
0: No, that's good. That's cool. So what have you changed your mind on recently?
1: So I'm very much of a law of attraction kind of person. And I think I was raised to believe money is hard to get money is something you have to work hard for. Um, and so I've, been trying to change my mindset, mindset on that. Um, you know, the more you think it's a struggle, the more it's going to be a struggle. And so I've been saying to myself for the last several years, things come to me easily and freely. Um, and now my, my journeyman keeps saying to me, Shan, stop saying things. Okay. Cause things are coming to you. You want money. Stop saying things come to me. Money comes to me easily and freely. And so Recently, I've changed my relationship with money. I've changed my mindset towards it. I'm trying to be, it comes to me easily and freely. It doesn't have to be a struggle. You know, there's so much money in this world. And as much as so little, most people don't have a lot of it. There is a lot. And so, um, you know, I'm just trying to be more open to it. You know, I'm the person who thinks if you keep saying you're sick, you're going to be sick. You know, you're gonna go out to the world and you're gonna look for validation that you're sick. You say you're rich and you feel that you're rich. You're gonna go to the world, and when I say rich, I mean like prosperous with, with, you know, not just financially, but you know, with relationships and and you know the growth that you see in your friends and your family and all those kinds of things. You know, that's prosperity. And and you go out to the world. You say you're rich, and now you start looking for the reasons you're rich versus the reasons you're poor. You know, and so for me, I've changed my mindset. I'm, I'm work, I'm working on changing my mindset. Um, so that money comes to me easily and freely and I can't help, but notice that I wasn't supposed to get become a second year until December. There was a little, there was, you know, I, I got approval for my exemptions. That's a long story short. And which got me an extra 288 hours, which brought my raise two three months earlier. So, um, You know, validation, money comes to me easily and freely. Um, you know, I'm so yeah, that's what I've changed my mind on recently.
0: That's very cool. Random. (laughs) Very cool. It'd be interesting for you in a year when you look back a year from now and say to yourself, How has that mindset made a difference in my life over this last year? That'd be that'd be an interesting thing.
1: I really struggled in my in my twenties. I really struggled for like I said, those fifty cent raises and you know, just you know, I worked at payday loans. And so I've seen all walks of life and I've seen paychecks. And it's really crazy to say that the average that most people make are anywhere between forty and $50,000 a year in Canada. You know, and that's not a lot. It's not enough for you to survive on and, and have a family and be prosperous. And so, you know, that's really opened my eyes up. It, it, I think it kind of trapped me a little bit to think there's not more out there. You know, but as I've tra- moved to the trades, and truthfully, I've gotten more. I now have a pension that's coming to me. The benefits that have come to me with the trades. You know, all of these different things are ways that I'm prosperous. And I can't help but think that, you know, the trades has helped, you know, help do that for me.
0: Yeah. I yeah. remember being an apprentice myself because like you, I got into the trade late. I was 28 when I got into my trade and I already had, well, I already had already had a wife. I was married for a number of years. already had two children. And so becoming an apprentice and I worked for local 170, um, which is a union uh, local for for plumbers, pipe fitters, steam fitters, welders, sprinkler fitters. And so I remember sitting in, in my vehicle looking at the pay grade saying to myself, okay, in six months I'm going to move to this section. And then in six months after that I'm going to move here because it was massively important for me because I had a family to support and, and, you know, you're right, like fighting for a 50 cent raise every once in a while, that's, it's not worth it, right? But it, when you're in a system that has that built in, um, it's not a reward, but that built in uh, scaffolding to, to move you up through the pay system is fantastic. And even though I worked for a union company, the the union wage really, when you be, when you got to journeyman status, that wasn't the cap. Like everybody, a lot of people thought, oh, that's the cap. This is my, no, 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 no. You don't understand. That's when you get into a journeyman status and now you start looking at becoming a supervisor or even a superintendent, that's really now the base. That's where you start. That's not where you end and not everybody understood that. And oh, okay. Interesting. So yeah, it'd be interesting a year from now with this mindset shift that you've doing, how that made a huge difference in your life. So what's, what's, one piece of advice good and bad that you have re- ever received what's the worst advice you've ever received and what's the best advice you've ever received
1: the best advice i think i've received is to take 24 hours to digest anything so often at work you know there's there's times when you're upset and as a manager you know i'd be giving feedback to people you know i might give them some upsetting feedback today and they might not react very uh, very well You know, we're human again, we react and then give that person 24 hours after they've had time to think about it. They've had time to process it, talk to their loved ones about it. They might feel completely different about it. And so the piece of advice about taking 24 hours for yourself, you know, before you maybe like jump on anything or let other people have their 24 hours, um, I think that's a really important piece of advice for business, especially when you're dealing with people and you're in that management or leadership role. Um, Worst piece of advice. Um, There's been some controversy on my LinkedIn about this drill, about this piece of advice that my journeyman has given me. And um, they've told me to not listen to my journeyman at all. And he must be full of it. And so that's the worst advice I've received recently. Um, my journeyman's quite wise, and I do believe all you people on LinkedIn and in the electrical field world or construction world have very valued opinions. And you know, um, your experience is, is 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 more you know relevant than anything. And so, um, not a very good piece of advice that I received recently. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. I I remember when it clicked for me when I was an apprentice was like, Oh, you mean I can have my own thoughts to this? Like, I don't have to do it his way. I don't have to do it his way. I can do it my way. I can do that. Oh, that's when everything clicked for me. And I'm like, okay, Roger that. It's
1: so important to challenge the process. And like, I remember one time I went to a drive through here in Canada and I had a coupon I was going to do round numbers. The coupon was for like $4 and it was a hamburger or something. And so I got to the window and the girl was like $9 and something cents. And I looked at her, I said, you got my coupon, right? She's like, looks computer, looks back. And she's like, yeah, $9. I'm like, like, I don't know the tax. Like, I don't know if you know if we have tax. The tax is not that much in Canada. Did it change overnight? Did I miss something? So I said it again. I'm like, that can't be right. You got my $4 coupon, right? She looked at the computer, looked back at me. Said, nope, that's right. I said, I think you need to maybe check with your manager. The girl didn't stop to challenge the process to go, what's, why? Like she didn't, she didn't, you know, she just, the computer gave her that. And that's what the answer is. And yep, it's $9. And so I think it's so important, you know, especially for learning. I think it's, you know, I ask a lot of questions on the construction site more than probably most. um, But I think I'm learning the most as well. Um, And people aren't afraid to give me suggestions either because I'm open to it.
0: Yeah. And never stop doing that either. And that was one of the things that I learned early on in my career, too, that if this, the moment I stopped asking questions was the moment people stopped teaching me. Right. And 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 when I got into a position where I had my own apprentices, I would make that very clear. Like, listen, you can never ask too many questions and you can, and honestly, you can never ask a question that's so stupid that I'm never going to answer it. Right. There are some dumb questions out there, ladies and gentlemen, there are dumb questions out there, but, uh, if a person thinks it's important enough to ask, it's not, it's not dumb. And so you, it's incumbent upon us to answer that. So never lose that. Um, that, that'll take you forward in a lot of different ways. Um, good. Shannon, thanks so much for taking the time. I have five rapid fire questions for you. I call them my fab five and, uh, uh, it's, it's an opportunity for us to get to know you just a little bit better. Um, and a good way to wrap up the episode. Thanks again for taking the time. Really appreciate this. I know the time changes pushed this into the evening for you, so thank you again for that. You ready?
1: I I am ready. Um, I don't I don't know if I'm going to be able to answer all your questions, but I'm going to oh. try my best. Okay, here we go. I don't know. Go ahead.
0: Here we go. <laughs> Shannon, what's your favorite movie?
1: I don't really have a favorite movie, to be honest. I I I don't. I, there's none that I would rewatch over and over again. Okay. Don't don't have one.
0: What's the what's the most recent movie you've just watched then?
1: Um, Game Changers. It was a documentary on Netflix. Oh. it was about like um, healthy eating and okay. and so that it's a it's a good watch. I would suggest it. Yeah. Nice,
0: nice. What's your favorite food?
1: Uh, I'm Ukrainian, and so mm-hmm. you know I was raised on the pierogi. <laughs> um, I love pierogies. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm a little bit picky though just like anybody else with homemade food like i do prefer our homemade ones mm-hmm. over store-bought ones but what's,
0: what's your favorite stuffing in the, in the pierogi
1: um we call it kapusta, mm-hmm. which is like sauerkraut it's like fried cabbage with bacon and
0: and yeah. onions and stuff interesting yeah. interesting at
1: christmas we get really creative we'll start like we'll leftover dough and so we'll do cherry ones and
0: oh look fries. at you at Christmas. i've got i've got ukrainian background too on my mom's side ukrainian oh. german and uh my mom would make handmade pierogis like the size of her hand right yeah and uh i we always had a potato and cottage cheese with pepper and when it got special we had bacon oh yeah <laughs> yeah love the love the pierogi awesome good what's your favorite who's your favorite band
1: Um, I don't particularly have a favorite band, Mm. but what I've been listening to a lot is my estrogen filled activity is Zumba. And so there's like a lot of Spanish (laughs) and like a lot of, you know, saucy like music. And so I've been listening to that on the the construction site recently. It's been my go-to.
0: Okay. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh,
1: compliment you gotta, balance is good i spend so much time with men i go to zumba <laughs> to get the balance
0: <laughs> <laughs> gonna work out all that heavy aggression metal that gets played on uh, on the job site. <laughs> all right uh what's your favorite go-to tech favorite go-to um tech?
1: you mean like like a cell phone or something right any
0: kind of technology what do you find yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: My response should be and I'm not very tech savvy. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I have a cell phone. Yeah. I've got my laptop. Yep. Um, I haven't had like a gaming system since Super Nintendo. So that puts that in perspective. Um, but uh, I'd say I'm probably like most people addicted to my phone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's your what's your favorite app? App that you use the most?
1: Probably recently, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or Instagram or something. Uh, Good. Yeah, one of those social media ones. You know.
0: (laughs) Yeah, very good. Okay, last one. Who's your favorite teacher?
1: I had this teacher when I did the general machinist program called Rob, named Rob. I want to pronounce his name, but I feel like I'm going to kill it. Like Italian, Bona, Gesso, or something like that. Rob, great teacher. Um, He was really supportive. He was my shop teacher. Um, encouraging, smart, and he's still to this day, you know, where Facebook and LinkedIn, and he always sending me little encouraging, like little remarks you could do this, and you know, so like proud of me when different things like that. And um, there was never a doubt that I, I never doubt that he thought we, be, that we could be successful in this world. Right. Like, always was confident that we could do it. And, um, and so I have really good fond memories of Rob, and he's my favorite
0: teacher. That's very cool. Very yeah. cool. Well, Shannon, again, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today and uh, sharing very some of much. your life. Pleasure. And uh, I hope it was okay for you. It wasn't too stressful and uh, good time.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I um, look forward to uh, hearing it and, you know, whatever our future might
0: have. Good. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for tuning into this episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our episode with Shannon. And if you did, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you've already subscribed, would you leave us a review? That'd help us out a tremendous ton. And next week, we're having Lucy Griffiths back for a return show. And you don't want to miss this one. It's on fire. Anyway, have a great week. We'll see you on the flip side. Take care.